NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top nine miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, I did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live. Chandler Smith and Zane Smith get the white flag. One more lap to go before this one's over. Side by side for the lead into turn number one, nearly three wide. Zane Smith to the inside. Chandler Smith in the middle to cross over to the back straightaway. Now they work down the back stretch, race for the lead in the win. Chandler Smith inside. Zane Smith tries to run him below the apron to no avail. Chandler Smith to the lead. He's got him by a truck link as they work off four. Zane Smith will make a final try. He looks to the high side. Not close enough to mount a challenge at the line. Chandler Smith wins in Las Vegas. He takes the victorious voice 200 for the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Lou Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN Studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we get set to wrap up the West Coast Swing. The NASCAR Cup Series started its three-race stretch out west at the Auto Club Speedway this past weekend. We raced in Las Vegas. Coming up this weekend, we're going to race at the Phoenix Raceway in Arizona before coming back east to the newly remodeled and configurated Atlanta Motor Speedway. Championship crew chief Todd Gordon's going to stop by. He's going to give us his observations of the next-gen race car so far. We're also going to spend some time talking about Phoenix and how it is very important on the NASCAR landscape and how the cream usually rises to the top there. Plus, Chandler Smith is going to stop by after picking up his win Friday night at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Plus, we've also seen a lot of newer names, some fresher faces running in the top five this year. We'll highlight their accomplishments and we'll preview this weekend's Ruoff Mortgage 500 at Phoenix Raceway. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with the latest in headlines. Kyle? Mike, we have had an influx of new teams entering the Cup Series with the invent of the next-gen race car. And three weeks into the season, we have news of another new addition. Team Stange Racing will field the number 79 car in eight races later this season with sponsorship from cryptocurrency company Dignity Gold. Former Formula One driver Tarso Marquez will drive their Ford Mustang in those eight races starting at Road America in July. The amazing stats surrounding the introduction of the next-gen race car continued in Las Vegas. The 12 caution flags this past weekend brought the season total up to 31. 
which is tied with 2011 for the most ever through three races. The parody of the car has also continued. 25 different drivers have scored top 10 finishes in the first three weeks of the season. That is the most since 1973. And in some other cool news, it was announced that Ryan Blaney will have an addition to his racing schedule this season. YRB will be racing against his dad in the SRX season finale at Sharon Speedway in Ohio in July. Blaney joins Greg Biffle and Haley Deegan as current NASCAR drivers that will take part in that series this summer. Mike. Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, Todd Gordon is here. He'll break down the performance of the next-gen car so far. And later, NASCAR Camping World Truck Series driver Chandler Smith will join us. Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. We are three points-paying races in and a total of four races in to NASCAR's new race car in the NASCAR Cup Series. Give us some observations now from Daytona 500 winning and championship winning crew chief Todd Gordon, who joins us here on NASCAR Live. Todd, welcome back to the show. How are we doing? Yeah, great. Good to be on. What an exciting uh, month of racing we've had and, and uh, you know, looking forward to what comes forward. What are some of your observations so far? What have you been able to to see and also learn through your conversation with those in the garage about the new race car so far. Yeah. I, I, I mean, overall, I, I, I commend it. It's uh, I think it's put on great racing. Um, there's been a lot of learning in all facets, whether it be how you set the cars up, how you drive the cars, how you pit the cars. We've seen challenges for everybody, but you know, the, the cool part is, is that we're, we're like you said, uh, three points, points events in and, um, each of those each of those groups is is kind of you know perfecting their craft. We saw pit issues at Daytona, uh, you know wheel issues to start with. Some had some some issues that cost teams positions at California, and I felt like we saw a more normal pit pit road uh, at Vegas, and that's that's just attributable to all these guys understanding what this car is. But uh, uh, what great side by side racing and coming and going we've seen throughout organizations is a with this new car and in the low downforce package. A couple of things that have uh, come to mind through my observations, Todd, we've heard the last couple of weeks, a couple of drivers commenting about their legs are becoming numb, falling asleep. How much is that tied to the new interior of the race car? Do you think? Yeah, it, it definitely is. I think, uh, you know, I, I got a chance to talk to Randall Burnett a little bit about uh, Tyler Reddick's challenges there and, and what they had done and, and what they're planning on doing going to Phoenix this weekend. Um, it's just, it's a different, it's a, you know, it's the same seat. The carbon piece that, that surrounds the driver is the same, but, um, you know, where all the inputs are, you can sit a lot lower in this car. So the driver's position relative to pedals and, and steering wheel and seeing over the dash is, is different than it was in the, in the last car that we had. And, um, you know, it's, that's, that's different. The pedals themselves, um, uh, you know, with, uh, with where we've gotten to with this new car, uh, it's a floor-mounted uh, uh, pedal box, so 
um, the swing of the pedals works off, pivots off the floor instead of pivoting off the firewall. And it changes the arc that you're pushing on things. So it may require you to have a little different geometry in your legs to, to push on the pedals. And, um, you know, th- those are nuances that, that come with new cars and uh, things that, you know, you, you have to figure out where it's coming from. Uh, it sounded like they made some adjustments thinking it might make them better for Vegas with the eight car specifically. And uh, um, Tyler in his interview, I think, uh, I think, you know, earlier this week, um, he talked about it being worse. So uh, they've, they've gone back and done some work on it, but definitely that whole driver cockpit area, although it looks the same, there's a lot of different pieces moving in different ways and uh, it changes the geometry, you know, ergonomically for the drivers and, and something that they've had to figure out what to do with the seat inserts about that. One thing that may or may not be tied to the new race car, something we saw at the end of the race, Greg Ives, obviously, and Alex Bowman won at Las Vegas, but they employed a two-tire stop strategy to win that race. How much of that was the new car getting going on a short run? How much of that was basically just, I'll call it uh, classic crew chief strategizing? What was your take on two tires beating four Sunday in Vegas? Well, I was surprised actually to, uh, to, to, to not see more, more risk takers. Um, and I guess, you know, it's, it's, it's burned vividly in my memory. Uh, 2020 went there and, and we were leading the race with eight to go. Uh, we were, we're I, I thought in a position where we were going to win. Um, you know, Greg Ives might've thought that they were in a position where they were going to win because Alex Bowman was, was coming. We were one, two and, um, I think Joey Logano was, was, had, had faded the third at that point. Um, you know, Greg and I both came down pit road, put tires on and Paul kept Joey out there and took the trophy home. So, um, you know, that strategy come late in the race with just a few laps to go. I think there's opportunities to play different things and, and, uh, you know, kudos to the, to the Hendrick camp because really all three of their cars, uh, or three of the four, um, you know, implemented that and decided to, to take a gamble and put themselves in position to have clean air. And, and really once those two got side by side out front, it kind of plugs up where they were. And, uh, um, you know, I thought William Byron and was, was racing Kyle, the first car on four tires really well and kept pulling them back and kept his runs from happening and, and put themselves in position to win. But, uh, it takes good cars and good strategy. You have to win on every front today to, to win races. And and that includes the calls on pit road and, and making gambles like that. We're off to Phoenix Raceway this weekend for the Ruoff Mortgage 500. One of the big questions going in is something we've seen for races leading up to this. Drivers, once they clear the start-finish line, hang a hard left and slam the car onto the apron and then back up onto the racing surface, trying to gain an advantage. With the new underbodies of these next-gen cars, is that something still in play, or is that something we're going to have to wait and see if someone dares go down there? Well, I, I was talking to Ryan Blaney yesterday on uh, on the radio, and um, he talked about he, he he thought it was pretty abrupt making that transition down there because there's there's a couple things that NASCAR has in these cars to limit how far you can travel, and because the lower you get the car, the more downforce it makes. So uh, there's some wear blocks, aluminum wear blocks, are probably two inches by six inches, uh, roughly in size. There's I think six or eight of those underneath the car, and those will hit the racetrack before the before the underbody does. Um, in the center. And then all four shocks actually have minimum lengths to them so that the shock will actually bottom out before the, before the splitter gets down there. Now the transitions across, you're probably going to drag the the corners of the nose to get there. But he talked about how rough it was and doing that at the test. And he he told me that 
he definitely wasn't going to be the first guy to go try that, and he was going to have to see it be successful for some other people before he'd uh, he'd start implementing that. But uh, I think by the time you get to you know money time in the race, people are going to make aggressive moves down there, and and you'll see that come back into play. What else will come into play? Do you think what will Phoenix throw the uh, the way of the drivers and the teams this weekend that we need to keep tabs on? Yeah, I I think it'd be interesting to see how wide wide the racetrack is when they. You know when they when they treated the surface and and made it a little bit wider and, and did the upper groove we we made it into a multiple groove racetrack where you had a couple grooves and this car has seemed to be wider yet because of lower downforce uh, at all the racetracks we've been to we've used multiple grooves so it'll be interesting to see how wide it gets um, how much you know that that that'll have Kevin Harvick line of of getting down on the apron of one and two and staying on the apron until you exit almost turn two. Uh, how much that gets gets used and, and run around. And, um, you know, the braking system in these next-gen cars is is so much so much better than what we had in the old car. Just just a, a you know, just a reaction to 18-inch wheels, you can put bigger rotors and bigger brakes inside it. So um, the brake systems will stop these things in a hurry, and I think that'll change some lift points and, and aggressiveness on getting into corners. That turn three it's always been a loose end corner because you you break straight and then you kind of unload yourself down into the corner and now the braking zone is going to be a little later. I think it'll be make make that transition of getting loose in probably a bigger bigger event for these drivers and something that we may see a few of them bobble and drive up the racetrack with. Can't wait to get there. It'll be the Ruoff Mortgage 500, 2:30 p.m. Eastern Time. Motor Racing Network will have the call. Appreciate the time and the perspective as always, Todd. Great to talk to you. That's Todd Gordon giving us the view at least four races in of the next-gen car and some observations that go along with that. Coming up, we'll visit with Chandler Smith after he won his first race of the season Friday night in Las Vegas. Plus, also later in the show, we'll highlight some of the fresh faces that have been running up front. This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Chandler Smith scored his first win of 2022 Friday night at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. MRN's Kurt Becker had the call of the action with the rest of the MRN team out there in Vegas, and he had a chance to visit with Chandler about that big win and how big that win was for his team. On the final restart at Las Vegas, you're three laps to go. Did you ever have any concern that you were going to be able to get by your boss, Kyle Busch, because that battle for second, you had to deal with that for about a lap and a half. Yeah, no, I knew um, our truck was probably the best truck all night, but when it comes to uh, mile and a half racing, especially when I'm racing against John Hunter and especially Kyle, all of our trucks, when they unload at the racetrack, are really close in the setup. So it's really hard to find little edges and little 
little places where you're better than your competition here and there because you're holding it practically wide open around the whole racetrack. But um, Danny Stockman did a really good job on setting up our Safe Flight Tundra. And uh, I was able to have a little bit of edge on them as far as just having better maneuverability through the corner, the center of the corner, and being able to move around easier than they could. So, um, but back to what I was saying, though, it's really hard to have good, have another edge on somebody else, especially like them too, when our trucks are that close, because we're all wide open. Um, when you're in dirty air, it, you have to lift a little bit. So the guy in front of you naturally, it's like speedway racing. So it's all about timing and being at the right place at the right time. And uh, fortunately, the good Lord blessed me to be in a, the right place at the right time there for the last restart. The winning move came on the final lap coming off turn two, a crossover move. Zane Smith had the lead. You made a move from the outside to the inside. It looked pretty breathtaking. Was, was it as dramatic from where you sat as it looked to the rest of us? Yeah, it was probably more dramatic for myself than for what it seemed like on the TV for sure, because getting into turn one, I was looking at my mirror and the boss man was trying to split us and go to the top and get a big run off the top. And then he would have just passed me and Zane like we were sitting ducks, then he would have won the race. So when I seen him doing that, I had to move up the racetrack and block his air. So he had to lose the nose for a second. And he, I broke off his run. So once he did that, Zane already was starting to break off on his run and I was coming back down the track and I was starting to suck back up to him as well. So he, um, he came off a two and kind of slid right up in front of me like there's i pushed him a tick bit but we were all super close and i was able to pull it off here they come off of turn number four white flag one lap to go for chandler smith here in bristol he's got to work his way around a lap truck cj mclaughlin directly in front of him grant infinger he is hungry for a victory he cuts it down the one truck length the walk off to advance to the next round of the playoffs first career win chandler smith your winner at Bristol, he will advance after coming into this playoff race 10th on the playoff leaderboard. He wins, and he is on to the next round. We have seen NASCAR make the transition back from no practice, no qualifying, into at least a limited amount of practice and then a qualifying session. You were not on the track very long for practice at Las Vegas, you and your fellow drivers, maybe 20 to 30 minutes. Even at that, has that been a help to you and the team just to be able to have even a limited amount of practice time on race weekend? Yeah, that's an understatement. For myself, I'm still, like, in my eyes, kind of like a rookie a little bit. Granted, the rookie stripes are off, but um, other, other competitors, when they were coming up through the ranks, when they came to the truck series, they were able to have practice every weekend for a little bit. Um, they had rookie tests and so on and so forth as well. I didn't get any of that. It was just show up, drop the green flag, and let's go. So um, we had all of us rookies. I'm even speaking for like the 42, anybody else, had to bite the bullet and you just show up and you don't even know what you're going to have going into turn one wide open with all these 40 other truckers out there. That's It's not the uh, best feeling in the world. So just to be able to have just that 20 minutes of practice, and I said this in the media conference after two, that 20 minutes of practice was the game changer for our 18 team um, at Las Vegas and also going forward for the rest of the year, too. Uh, we, we strided at the end of the year last year at Phoenix when we had practice. Obviously, we ended the season off with a win at Phoenix, but if we didn't have practice, I still believe we wouldn't even have that result. Same with Las Vegas. Um, we were able to capitalize on that 20 minutes of practice. I was able to bring to the table whatever I could, and so could Danny, and we made our truck a little better, and that was the ultimate game changer for us in the race.
You have mentioned your crew chief, Danny Stockman. What has it meant to you as a 19-year-old driver just coming off of your rookie season? What has it meant to you to be able to work with a veteran crew chief like Danny? A lot, for sure. Danny's got a lot of experience in racing and also life. So it's, I consider him like my one of my racing dads. I have a lot of racing dads. So uh, he's definitely one of them for sure. Me and him are really tight. We're really close. And I love him to death. So just as a crew chief, we definitely... We work together really good because our personalities align perfectly and our goals align perfectly as well. Leaders to the back straight away. Here comes race leader Chandler Smith now off four. White flag is in the air. Final lap of the season. Chandler Smith across the line. Right behind him looking for a championship is Ben Rhodes. Chandler Smith dominant in the late going when it counted the most. No challenge for him in turn number two. And the same for the championship. Here comes Ben Rhodes. Chandler Smith to the back straightaway for the final time. Unchallenged Ben Rhodes for the title to the back straightaway. Unchallenged back to three. Off turn number four. Checkered flag in the air. Chandler Smith will win the Lucas Oil 150. Chandler Smith will win the 2021 Rookie of the Year. When you rejoin the truck series, we're all going to be headed to your home state of Georgia to the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Of course, uh, the track's been in the news. It's been repaved. It's been reprofiled. It's got 28 degrees of banking now. What kind of racing do you expect when you get to Atlanta? Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be seeing any type of quote-unquote racing, per se. Um, it really upset me when I heard that they were going to refave Atlanta because last year, like, I grew up watching. I went to every single NASCAR race in Atlanta since I was four years old, I believe, four or three years old. So I grew up in the pits, in the grandstands, watching all these guys slide around with all this horsepower in the trucks and uh, Xfinity cars and cup cars, and I was like, man, it'd be awesome to do that one day. So once I finally got that opportunity last year to do it, um, oh, unfortunately, we had a right front suspension break on us early in the race, so I didn't even get to really uh, experience racing around there. I mean, I did, but I didn't. So I was really looking forward to like going back this year on that save that same uh, surface because honestly, that's the, that was the best track on the circuit. Produced racing, it was a good track for drivers to showcase their talent. But uh, they repaved it, so now we're going to be seeing a lot of, I guess you could say, Daytona. So if everybody likes Daytona racing, then you're going to love it. But uh, for myself, I like to see racetracks where we're sliding around on edge and the drivers have to do more work to win races, not not the engineers. So you have one at Bristol, Tennessee. You have one at Phoenix, Arizona. You've won at Las Vegas, Nevada. What would it mean to you to win in your home state at Atlanta? Oh, it would be huge. I don't think it's, it, well, I don't think. It's definitely not going to be as meaningful if I won on the old surface than the new surface now. Um, if we go there and win, when is it, next week? Yeah, next week. Um, it definitely is going to mean a lot, but it's not going to be as close to impactful to myself as it was going to be if I was able to pull that off on the old surface. Thank you, Kurt. The NASCAR Camping World Truck Series is off this weekend, but will return to action next weekend at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Motor Racing Network will have the call of the Freight 208 as the tough trucks of NASCAR take on the newly paved Atlanta Motor Speedway. Coming up, we'll check out some of the drivers who've been up front so far in 2022. And later, Kyle Ricky tells us why this weekend's race at Phoenix is so important. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. 
Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. There are names fans expect to see up front at races, and every once in a while, you'll get a good run from a fresher name here and a fresher name there. Well, in 2022, it seems we've been getting a lot of fresher faces in the top five, in the top ten. MRN's Dan Hubbard is here to highlight those drivers who are hustling for opportunities in 2022. Austin Sindrick leads into turn three for the final time with a big shove from teammate Ryan Blaney. Here comes Brad Keselowski topside, but it's the rookie that leads off four. A whole bunch of Fords at the front of the field, and here they come. Sindrick trying to squeeze Blaney into the fence, and at age 23, Austin Sindrick has scored the Daytona 500 win. They crash further down after they cross the start-finish line. Despite being only three races into the season, NASCAR is seeing fresh faces make moves, and it's paying off. Rookie Austin Sindrick made big waves when he won the Daytona 500 to kick off the season. After a big burnout to celebrate, he says he's had a moment to sit down and let the accomplishments sink in. Well, I broke the car. Uh, <laughs> I broke the starter, and uh, I blew out the right rear tire. So um, don't don't, uh, don't think that's anything bad. But, yeah, I was uh, kind of stranded, so definitely a good time to collect my thoughts and um, just appreciate the moment there for a minute, um, you know, to be able to do this in front of a sellout crowd, to be able to do this in general, to be able to be part of this race, having a shot. Um, it's, it's a racer's dream, and um, so many people get close to it, and uh, I feel very grateful and very proud to be able to pull it off. But Cindric wasn't the only new face up front that day. Bubba Wallace finished second, and Chase Briscoe came in third. And that's Briscoe's highest finish at a super speedway. You know, crazy to, you know, you dream when you grow up racing just being the Daytona 500, and I never in a million years, first off, thought I would ever get an opportunity to even run in one. And to be restarting sixth, you know, there with uh, green, white, checkered was uh, pretty surreal in the first place. But, yeah, cool for, for one of my best friends to, to win the race. Pretty cool. As the series moved out west to Auto Club Speedway, it presented fans with more names not normally talked about. While Kyle Larson won the race, Eric Jones was up front and was a factor throughout the day, finishing third. It's Eric Jones, Petty GMS at the front of the field off turn number four. Behind him, it's Austin Sindrick trying to bend off the challenge of a side-by-side Joe Gibbs racing duo. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. You know, it feels good to be up leading laps, and it's been a while, you know, since we've, uh, since I've gotten to run up front and be competitive and, and race for a win, and I mean, you can't complain. We scored a lot of points. It was a good day. And, you know, if we can keep bringing cars like this every week, we're going to win some. Fans love seeing the 43 and Eric Jones running up front again. But when Daniel Suarez fought for the lead in the closing laps, the crowd was electric. crowd is losing their mind watching what's happening here at the front of the field. Three wide, not any longer. Two wide, off of turn four. Coming back to the line, three to go. Race leader is Kyle Larson. But Daniel Suarez is right there. So is Eric Jones. Here they come into turn one. It is still Daniel Suarez. He got to the inside of turn one. He beat Kyle Larson to the corner. Austin Dillon could be a factor. He's riding the low line. He pulls him alongside Suarez off the pole. We have to keep working. We were a little bit behind those guys in the front, but uh, my pickup kept me on the game all day long, and uh, we made some good adjustments, and uh, we were able to come back. But uh, I just can't wait to go back home, work, and uh, and go racing again. And just this past weekend in Las Vegas, Trackhouse Racing found themselves in the spotlight again with Suarez's teammate, Ross Chastain. He led 83 laps and finished third. It seems like anyone has a shot to find their way up front in this next-gen car, and fans are loving it. Will the fresh face parade continue in Phoenix? 
We'll find out this weekend. Thank you, Dan. Coming up, the importance of this weekend's race in Phoenix for teams. And later, we will preview the Ruoff Mortgage 500. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. There's been a lot of weight put into Phoenix, considering it holds the championship race in November. But champions have been having success at the track since its inception. Kyle Rickey is back with more. Phoenix Raceway has been home to the NASCAR Cup Series championship for the past two years. But it has been home to champions for longer than you probably realize. The racetrack certainly has a new importance with the fact that you pretty much have to win the season finale to hoist the cup. But the drivers who have reached that milestone have already had success at Phoenix for the most part. Out of the eight former Cup Series champions currently in the Cup Series field, seven of them have won in the desert. Dominant evening, half a lap away now for Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch might not be holding his breath anymore. He can take that sigh of relief as he comes into turn three. Michael Walter way behind him. It's Kurt Busch, your leader off of turn four. In the first night race of 2005, the first night race ever for the Nextel Cup Series here at Phoenix, Kurt Busch scores his first win of 2005 in the Subway Fresh 500. Kurt Busch's championship back in 2004 is the furthest back for any current cup driver. He backed up that championship when he won in the spring of 2005 in Arizona. Busch has amassed 38 starts at the track over the years and has 20 top 10 finishes. Kevin Harvick leads the field through the dogleg. Up the back straightaway for the final time for Kevin Harvick. Still eight car lengths in hand right to the bottom of the racetrack. Lap traffic ahead. Won't be a factor off turn four. A simply remarkable performance yet again for Kevin Harvick. Off four. Final time across the stripe. The checkered flag is out. And Kevin Harvick is a winner for the ninth time here at Phoenix. Harvick is tied with Bush for the most starts at Phoenix with 38. And for a long time, he was the king of the desert. Harvick has won a whopping nine times at the track, most recently in 2018, and has led over 1,600 laps there. Looking to sweep the race weekend here at ISM Raceway. Brings that Skittles Toyota off of turn two for the final time. He leads into turn three. Well, he was rock solid all day long, and for the 52nd time in his career, Kyle Busch is going to victory lane as he picks up the win in the ticket. Guardian 500 at ISM Raceway, Kyle Busch is the winner. The only driver that can compete with Harvick's lap-led total is 2015 and 2019 champion Kyle Busch. Busch has led nearly 1,200 laps at Phoenix, but has only been able to get to victory lane three times as opposed to Harvick's nine. Logano strong back into turn number one. Kevin Harvick still second, still trying to catch the leader. Field charges down the back straightaway, headed to turn three. If Harvick's got anything for Logano, he's got to show it now. The gap about two and a half car lengths. Logano looking for the checkered flag. One more shot by Harvick. It will not be enough. And for the 25th time in his career, Joey Logano is going to Gatorade victory lane. Joey Logano joins younger brother Bush and Harvick as multiple-time winners at Phoenix Raceway. Sliced Bread first got to victory lane there in 2016, and then again won on the reconfigured track in 2020. 
one more time to turn number one for Chase Elliott. Final time into turn number one. You can hear him warming up the siren in Dawsonville, Georgia. Here he comes to the back straightaway. Chase Elliott on his way to the title. Here he comes off turn number two, up off the bottom to the back straightaway. And now he'll ease it into turn three, looking for a win and a championship. Hendrick Motorsports and driver Chase Elliott looking for the checkered flag. It's out. Chase Elliott wins at Phoenix. Chase Elliott scores the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series championship. Takes the Bass Pro Toyota off of turn two for the final time at the front of the field in Phoenix. It's Martin Truex Jr., the race leader, into turn three all by himself at the point. Here he comes up off of turn number four. Checkered flag in the air. And Martin Truex Jr. wins the Instacart 500 at Phoenix Raceway. Here he comes. Off turn two. The final time for Young Money. And one final shot for Martin Truex Jr. to try to get to the back bumper. Here they come for the final time as Larson leads to three. And here he comes now, absent a year ago. He's back now, and now he is a Cup Series champion in 2021. Kyle Larson across the line. He will win in Phoenix, and Kyle Larson is your 2021 NASCAR Cup Series champion. The win by Logano in March of 2020 actually started a streak of what is now four straight wins by champions at the track. Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson scored their first wins at the track to be crowned champions, while Martin Truex Jr. dominated the spring race here last year. Jimmy Johnson for the final time comes off the end of the front straightaway with the lead in hand, not pushing the point on lap traffic, setting sail for the back straightaway for the last time. Just a championship-style run on the part of Jimmy Johnson. He has had them covered all afternoon. Jimmy Johnson will look for the checkered flag and he makes his way off turn four. If you're a three-time champion, this is the way you're supposed to race. Jimmy Johnson comes to the line, winning for the seventh time this year. He'll take it here at Phoenix, Arizona. Off turn two, headed for three. Jeff Gordon looking for victory lane. Half a lap to go for Jeff Gordon at a track that he has never won at before. He closes in on the lap car of Glenport. Jeff Gordon leads the field off of turn four. Here comes to the punt, Chevy off turn four and down to the line. Jeff Gordon scores his first win of the year and his first win ever in the Nextel Cup Series at Phoenix International Raceway. No slower traffic now in front of Alan Kowicki, save for Rusty Wallace, and he's a veteran. He's experienced. He can trust him. Now they're going to go around uh, Rick Wilson, and you can see the smile on the driver of the Xerox Ford as he goes down the main stretch for the last time. As Harry Gant slows on the racetrack, here comes Alan Kowicki. After 85 career Winston Cup starts, he finds victory lane. He waves to the crowd and to his pit crew members as he goes by. The success for champions at Phoenix goes well beyond just current drivers. The stats are actually staggering. Since the Cup Series began racing there, every champion since then, minus Brad Keselowski and Bobby Labonte, has won at the track. Success in the spring has led to a Championship 4 appearance in each of the two years that the finale has been held there. Logano and Truex both got there, but neither was able to win the championship. With it being a virtual requirement to win at the track to win the championship now, this weekend's race in a new car certainly will give us a clue as to who might be back here to race for the title in November. Thank you, Kyle. We've got more Phoenix talk with drivers telling us what they expect. And later, it's this week in NASCAR history. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. 
Welcome back to NASCAR Live. We talked about the weight of Phoenix for the teams this weekend, but let's hear what some of the drivers think about racing Phoenix and what challenges will be thrown their way this weekend. The NASCAR Cup Series West Coast Swing wraps up this weekend as the series moves from the Mojave Desert of Las Vegas to the Sonoran Desert at Phoenix Raceway. Teams have certainly started to get a notebook on the new next-gen race car, but Phoenix presents a new challenge. Former series champion Kurt Busch says this early part of the season is all about learning. Yeah, that's how I've always digested the beginning of the season, and that's to evaluate things in a five-race chunk um, with the way that The variety of racetracks pop up here early, uh, you're able to cover a lot of ground. And yeah, if you have a a bad finish or a a mechanical issue, uh, it's, it's something that you just have to put aside very quickly and focus on next week's task to find the right balance in the setup. And then uh, with Vegas and Phoenix, uh, they're both part of the playoffs later in the year. So they have a a higher urgency when we uh, gather data at these two races. So, you know, with Fontana, it was a good race for us. Daytona, we survived enough to finish in the top 20. And then Phoenix, uh, that'll be a really good uh, braking, cornering, and tire drop-off style track. So, yeah, lots to cover, and it's it's like a five-week process. Teams will have a baseline to guide them thanks to a test back in January at Phoenix and early season surprises. Austin Dillon and Ross Chastain have some interesting takes on what to expect. kind of wish it was a little more different. <laughs> we've all worked on them now and we've got them driving like race cars, like really good race cars. So even when we're not as fast as we want to be, um, the characteristics of the old car are still there. It's still Phoenix. We're still loose in we're tight in the center and we're loose off and that's probably been the way it's been since they put asphalt down here phoenix is kind of like in between a short track and then you start getting into a bit of an aero um, problem at phoenix you know you start relying on downforce and different things so it's going to be important to qualify good i feel like and i do think that tires are going to fall off a lot um, pretty good amount at phoenix which will be nice and we'll just have to you have to set up your car for that, and hopefully you're, you uh, make it work. It's going to be a race either way. I, I don't know how great it's going to be. I, I think it, it's performed well so far, so I wouldn't um, underestimate it and think that it's not going to race good because, I mean, it's, it's a challenging car to drive, and it's putting on a good show so far. Xfinity Series regular A.J. Allmendinger is back in the Colleague Racing 16 car this weekend after Daniel Hemrick piloted the entry in the first three races. Allmendinger has always loved Phoenix, and he thinks driving the cup car could also help him on the Xfinity side. But I actually enjoy the racetrack. You know, sometimes the the PJ1 or or the the resin or whatever they put down, I wish they wouldn't put down because it kind of makes the track more of a highline racetrack. Uh, I like running the bottom there. You know, it, it's a racetrack that I feel like that I can keep improving on. You know, Chris had me map out 15 or 16 races I wanted to do, and Phoenix is always a racetrack that I enjoy. So, figure the extra laps, the way we've been there, won't hurt. So, uh, so that's part of the reason why I chose that race. With the championship race scheduled for Phoenix in November, this weekend's race has added significance. And while teams still have much to learn about the new car, Dylan thinks drivers will be able to apply things learned this weekend to the season finale. I would say some things will probably change, but not a whole lot um, by the time we come back. So you just take good notes. And anytime you go to the track, I mean, I 
we're going to be writing notes every weekend, talking about parts, pieces, thoughts on, you know, how to drive. It's, it's a whole new notebook and it will take them. And even if you don't go back to a track or you change tracks that you'll never see again, the, there's something that you can learn and take to the next event. The Motor Racing Network will have full coverage of a triple header this weekend. The action starts with the Arkham Menard Series General Tire 150 on Friday night at 7.30 Eastern. Saturday, we'll see Cup Series practice and qualifying at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, followed by the Xfinity Series United Rentals 200 at 4. Things will be capped off on Sunday with the Ruoff Mortgage 500 for the Cup Series, with our pre-race coverage beginning at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. For this week's MRN Classic Race, we'll be looking back on the 1992 Pyroyal 500K from Phoenix. Here's a quick flashback to that very day. Davey Allison shoots down the back straightaway, heading into turn number three. Allison's car working well to the bottom of the racetrack all day long and does again for the final time off turns three and four. Back to the checkered flag. Here they come from turn number four. Davey Allison looking and seeing the checkered flag. Allison wins the Pyroyal 500, his fifth win of the year, 18th win of the career. Hear that race on MRN Classics this week on MRN.com and on many of these same MRN stations. This MRN flashback is brought to you by Mahindra, the official tractor of Tough and Stuart Haas Racing. Coming up, Susie Armstrong has this week in NASCAR history. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. All right, folks, here she is. She's back. Susie Armstrong is here with this week in NASCAR history. Thanks, Mike. 1987, Irish rockers U2 rolled to the top of the charts with their fifth studio album, The Joshua Tree, and mega hits With or Without You, and I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Gambino crime boss John Gotti walked out of a courtroom after a jury acquitted the Teflon Don of all racketeering charges. And Ricky Rudd was calling the shots in Georgia, driving to victory in the Motorcraft Quality Parts 500 at Atlanta Motor Speedway. But Rudd comes inside the groove to break the draft. Wallace trying to stay stuck into Parsons' draft, but the car's just all over the racetrack. Parsons trying to make a move on Rudd. Rudd glued to the bottom. They're out of four to settle it. Wallace up high. Here comes Parsons. He's up against the back bumper of Ricky Rudd's car. Benny takes it way high out of turn number four. Rudd comes up, closes the door to win the Motorcraft 500. Ricky Rudd of Chesapeake, Virginia for car owner Bud Moore wins his sponsor's race here at Atlanta today.
1994, Swedish pop group Ace of Bass ruled Billboard's Hot 100 for six consecutive weeks with the techno reggae pop hit The Sign. Former U.S. Olympic figure skater Tanya Harding pled guilty to felony charges stemming from the attack on teammate Nancy Kerrigan. And it was almost criminal the way Ernie Irvin spanked him in Georgia, commanding the Purolator 500 at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Down the back straightaway, heading into the third corner. Shepard about five car lengths behind. Can't make it happen in turn number three. One more corner to go. Just a quarter mile remaining here as they come out of turn number four. Back to the stripe. Ernie Irvin looking for his first win at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. He'll pad his lead atop the Winston Cup point standings as Ernie Irvin wins the Purelator 500. Twenty fifteen, the Bruno Mars Mark Bronson disco pop hit Uptown Funk got maximum airplay and totally stuck in the heads of millions. The family of Marvin Gaye won millions, a record seven point three, in a copyright infringement suit, faulting Robin Thick, Farrell Williams, TI, and the song Blurred Lines. And Kevin Harvick was the clear dominator in the desert, leading 224 of 312 laps to win the CappyWorld.com 500 at Phoenix Raceway. It's been a long, long time since we have seen one driver show this kind of dominance at a singular facility, but Kevin Harvick is proving it can still be done. He leads the field off turn two. The king of Phoenix International Raceway continues to reign. Kevin Harvick comes in as quick all weekend. He's going to win for the seventh time here at Phoenix International Raceway, taking the victory here this afternoon over Jamie McMurray. And those are just some of the events from this week in NASCAR history. Thank you, Susie. We always love it when you join us for this week in NASCAR history. Don't forget, folks, coming up Thursday, another installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open. That'll drop on Thursday. NASCAR Live Race Day back on the air, 2.30 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. Be sure to check us out as we lead you into the Ruoff Mortgage 500. And, of course, we're back with NASCAR Live next week right here at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Our thanks to Chandler Smith for joining us. Also, our thanks to Todd Gordon for stopping by. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you for joining us as well. And we'll talk with you later this week and next week right here on NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Wesselman, Julian Council, and Trey Downing. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. 
Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. 